Welcome to Lipstick Attitude, hosted by Dr. Elizabeth King, psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, author, and motivational speaker, specializing in trauma and women's mental health, and Yvonne Haas, psychotherapist and coach specializing in relationships, couples, and women's issues. This show is your dose of inspiration, information, and laughter. In each episode, Dr. King and Yvonne bring you hacks, tips, and inspiring stories to help you live a successful life. So ladies, grab your lipstick. It's time to do this. The Lipstick Attitude Podcast is powered by Suits, Stilettos, and Lipstick Foundation, a nonprofit movement to empower women and children from all walks of life to be resilient, self-confident, and purposeful leaders through education, mentorship, and community outreach. To learn more, visit sslwomen.org. Please note that this show is intended to empower and educate. It is not meant to be utilized as a substitute for individual therapy. Well, good morning, everyone. This is another episode of the Lipstick Attitude Podcast, and I'm Dr. Elizabeth King with my co-host, Yvonne Haas. And today we have a very special guest, Kendra Dixon, one of our great friends and sassy cats, and we just love him to pieces. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Honored to be here. Thank you for your time and the invite. Well, thank you for saying yes. How are you doing, Yvonne? I am fabulous. Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you again, Kinja. Likewise. Good to be seen and to see some smiles in the middle of this unique time in our in our world's history. Yeah. Oh. And the, the gosh, it's so tough out there. I, I love the topic that we're going to be speaking about, the art of recreation. God knows so many people are having to pivot right now, including us in so many different ways. So when we talk about recreation and how to do that, uh, I think you're the master of it. And I think mm -hmm. you will really help a lot of us uh, find our way in our path to get there. So I'm thrilled to have you this morning. So mm -hmm. Yvonne, why don't you kick it off right away? I don't want to waste one second. So let's go ahead and kick it off by uh, introducing our honor guest right here. Awesome, awesome. Well, everybody, please welcome Mr. Kendra Dixon. He is a recreation strategist, 2013's number one sales executive in the world, retired at 34 to explore his next phase. Kendra's journey transformed from a financially independent 300-pound alcoholic worker bee to a daily meditating, marathon-running, completely sober, 170-pound servant to our humanity. Since 2014, his three books, online training program, and one-man theatrical experience are just a few of the tools that are helping thousands of seekers across the globe recreate their living experiences. And just on a personal note, I have to tell you a couple things. One very funny story how we met Mr. Dixon here. <laughs> he, he essentially got picked up by one of our very sassy ladies who was in desperate need. Held hostage. <laughs> held hostage, I believe, who was in desperate need to get to one of our events as she was the president of it, and you cannot be late, meets this man talks her into driving her to this event, not only driving her to the event, but coming to the event as well. And I have to tell you, this man showed up, beautiful smile, great character, and just the whole story just speaks volumes to who he is as a man and just and, and as a friend. And he might be a little crazy too, because if you knew the president, you'd be like, you put who in your car, what? I'm just kidding. Just I don't kidding. think he had a choice. He he I don't think he had a choice either. But he is also, for those of you who have been to our conference, he has been in our Men in the Hot Seat panel in 2017. Mm. And I have to say, just personally, I'm not going to tell you what the answer was, but he gave one of my all-time favorite responses to the question of, if you were a woman for a day, what would you do? So, yeah. yeah, do you remember that, Kendra? Wow, I don't remember exactly the answer, but I, wow, I could imagine. I would love well, to yeah, hear it, what I said. If it, you don't remember, it was awesome. It was awesome. If you don't remember the answer, you could go to our video because we actually, in our highlight video, put that little piece in there because it was hilarious. <laughs> wow. So the world has seen and heard you answer that question. <laughs> I'm going to send that to you. You're going to crack up on what you answered. I cannot wait. Please. I, I, You're going to love it. Perfect. So 
Yeah. Without further ado, the man with the infectious smile and with such a beautiful heart and soul, Mr. Kinja Dixon. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Wow. Yeah, and thank you so much for saying yes to being on this podcast. You have such an amazing story, and I know you've written many books and are out there speaking and, and sharing your message with so many folks. When we first met you, uh, you were, uh, I think it was around 2013, 2014, you were on a different journey than you are right now. You mm. have now um, branded yourself as a recreation strategist. And I, I'm just curious to know how you went from where you were then to where you are now. Because I thought you were a recreation strategist, even without that title back then, you reinvented mm. yourself. So it, it's so perfect. But what made you go from one to the other and what has happened and gotten you here? It's amazing when I reflect and for entrepreneurs, you know, I made a choice in 2013, October 12th. So in a few days will be seven years from the day that I went into my manager's office as one of the top sale executives and said, I am going to resign to jump into this next world. I finished the book and I'm not in a position where I believe it's fair to this part of my journey to continue in the sales world. So October 12th, I retired. And the first goal and ways I was being hired was as a sales expert because that previous in that year is when I received the two awards that branded me as the 2013 number one sales executive in the world. And what ended up happening in that first year as I was getting hired at all these corporate events, is there was an inner conflict with some of the events that I left. And to paint the picture clear, I was being hired as this sales expert, but over the years from 2009 to the time when I retired, I was working on things that had to do with my health, my emotional intelligence, hunger to gain new knowledge, and mastering my purpose. And the, uh, the effect of that ended up increasing my sales performance, but I wouldn't necessarily blame that on me mastering how to sell. It actually came from a benefit of me working on myself. And the more I was able to master myself, it helped me be able to relate to all the people that I was recommending these solutions when it came to their vacation and real estate needs. So what ended up happening about a year and a half after my retirement, is I, I felt that I needed to step away from this mode of just going, running, doing all these consultations, getting in front of all these crowds. And honestly, there was a time where I had a conversation with someone that was going to hire me. And the way they were talking at me about what they wanted me to share was not in alignment with my message. And I could not blame them because I was labeled as the sales expert. And if someone sees that, their goal is I want to get this guy in front of these people so he can teach them how to sell. And that's not how my process went. So I actually took about a year off, went to China, did some meditating in the mountains with some, you know, some yogis and got my life together. And when I came back from that trip, uh, October 2015 and started my me meditation practice, I had so many ideas that had to do with the four things that I worked on every single day since 2009, which were my health, my emotional intelligence, hunger to gain new knowledge, and getting better at my purpose. And that's when recreationism came into play. First, it was the play recreation encounter. Then one day I had the idea of this book, the manual, which is recreationism. And ever since that, I have now been more in alignment with this part of my journey because even though I do get hired to teach communication and wellness and how to present yourself, it's more than sales. It's about life development because what ends up happening when people just master sales, if you start getting a lot of income, but you're not emotionally prepared to deal with that income, that could end up 
expediting your death <laughs> and you might not even realize yeah. it not even not even your emotional death but your financial death by buying all these things because it's increased in income so i i i'm now helping people realize how to do the slow roll but when you really take time away from it i believe that it's what plants do it's what everything in nature does it just grows and grows and grows and stays present and doesn't allow what happened yesterday to really impede what's going on today and what's going on in the future. So now I'm in my recreationist blossoming seed mode. <laughs> I, I love it. And, you know, it, interestingly enough, what you just said about, you know, selling, selling, making money, that doesn't make you happy. Uh, and we actually did a podcast not too long ago, and I do a lot of presentations on the equation of, of happiness. Uh, it's 50% genetics, 40% is attitude, and only 10% is life circumstances. And the research shows that people that win like the lottery or someone that had a severe accident and became paraplegic within five years, the person that won the lottery is less happy than the person that became paraplegic. Mm. So we know for a fact that money does not make happiness and it certainly does not make you want to continue to be a thriver. So I, I appreciate what you just said so much. And, and I know this to be true. It's, it's science, really. So thank you for, for getting to that place and, I, and helping others get there because I think that's where the missing link is. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm just going to make a lot of money and, and, you know, I'll be happy, you know, mm -hmm. and they're always going after that carrot and happiness never happens. So I think what you have to say in your message is so appropriate and, and something that I'm very passionate about as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that uh, when they're chasing the money too, they're putting all the other pillars that you were discussing on the back burner, you know, and, and they become just they have this tunnel vision for it, you know, for sure. So, so Kinja, then after, you know, choosing to embark on what seems like a totally different journey after 14 years and a career field you were breaking records in, this new world, what has it taught you about yourself? Wow, it, it taught me so many things. One of the most important, I believe, is that your purpose is not set destination and each of us have unique possibilities within our dna structure that if nurtured you can create things that have not been created so just like that transition that i went through the many transitions i went through within the last seven years i did catch myself at first trying to be like others that are in the limelight, you know, like without me knowing anything about author, speaker, you know, being this person that's being hired to get some type of reference, I did look at what was going on. And for a minute, what happened was I followed things that weren't in my specific DNA as Kenja. But when you work on these things and you're so aware, you're quick to feel that discomfort and not discomfort from a point of working too hard, but a discomfort from not being in alignment with who you are and being able to identify that and contort something that fits what you're doing. So what that's one of the things that I learned is that when you embark on a journey, it's okay to look at others that are doing it well, to get inspiration and take ideas, but try to make sure you don't get into a position where you end up copying something that is not your, your benefit, not you. your, not your, your unique fingerprint. And so that's one of the things. And the second thing is that, and this is the, the basic, is that what a lot of people don't know about my situation that has given me freedom is that in when I was 24, after my first four years with a Fortune 500 company, MCI WorldCom, they had a close down. And so at 24 years old, I saw 
the the ending result of several people that had worked for a company making 80, 90,000 a year, and then all of a sudden find out in three months, this entire operation is shut down. And so when I saw all of these people that were crying and upset, in my mind, I just kept thinking as a 24 year old, why are they so upset if they've been making all this money for so long? Well, it just happened that one of the days that I had that light bulb coming outside, a gentleman was driving by, asked three of us, what happened with MCI? We told him and he told me something that I want y'all to listen to because I swear it changed my life. And I look back on that day, like if that day wouldn't have happened, I don't know if I would be here right now. But he said, young man, you might want to read this book called Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad mm. that expresses how if you don't learn how to work for yourself, you're always going to be at the mercy of the decisions of the people that run the company. So when I started reading that book, Mm -hmm. and getting smacked across the face with the knowledge of Robert <laughs> Kiyosaki and seeing how much that was different from my thinking, I'm just going to work every week for a check mentality. It taught me the difference between assets and liabilities and how to live below your means and buy things off of a percentage. Never make sure, never buy things that are um, over the amount of a certain net worth. It goes into a lot of calculations, but make a long story short, when I started with Wyndham, Fairfield at the time, and went from 80,000 a year with uh, MCI to three, 400,000 a year, I was saving 90% of everything that I made. Wow. I mean, wow. every single year. So think, so, so I was in a position by the time I retired in 2013, where money was no longer a motivating factor because I had saved more than I would ne ever need. So I say that to say, when I started this entrepreneurial journey, I was not chasing money. I was chasing creativity and purpose. And that's something that I believe all entrepreneurs need to, to think about. Like put yourself in a position where you don't overextend yourself so that you have to become a carrot chaser like you mentioned, where you don't have time to create, you don't have time to reflect, you don't have time to master because with your life, with your, your wife, your husband, with bills, with pandemics, with all of these things, if you are in a position where you're financially strapped, dealing with all of those things as well, you almost become a product of the society versus a product of your your genetic makeup. So, so to sum it up, because I, I went a lot of places, is your purpose is not stagnant. It can evolve. And before you go on your own, try to put yourself in a position where you live beneath your means and have a nice, good cushion of money that it would even be better if it's invested. I, I've been investing for 12 years as well. But do not come out here where you just have nothing to fall back on. I mean, just basic math and, you know, economics. You know, that, that is such a powerful message right there because, you know, people see like yourself or see Yvonne and, and, and me doing what we love and everybody wants to jump on that bandwagon. Everybody wants to do what they love and then they leave their careers and then they can't afford to do what they're you set out mm -hmm. to do so then they can live their purpose because they're struggling just to make ends meet on the financial end and mm -hmm. and and i always talk about this it's like yes be a dreamer and dream big but make sure that you have the functional pieces together the the parts that are going to allow you to fulfill your dream and your calling right. because if you can't pay for food you're going to be, you know, Maslow, hierarchy of human needs. You're going to be yes. talking about food. Mm -hmm. You cannot be talking about self-actualization when you can't pay your bills. So I, I think your, your message is so on point for so many women and men that are listening to this program. Yeah, go ahead and dream big, but make sure you have a strategy to yeah. fulfill that dream. Exactly. You can't just go and, and do this, you know, just because and quit your job and and then what? You know, then what happens? Exactly. So I, I so appreciate that. Um, Pinja, on a personal note, we talked about this in preparation for this show, and we've talked about this actually even before the preparation for the show, and it's very 
It's a very uh, interesting, intimate question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, uh, because we are raw and we are unapologetically asking the questions uh, as they, as people want to hear them. And um, we're nosy. And we're Just nosy. Throwing <laughs> well, Just throwing it in there. <laughs> you see my heart beating through the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to about, but you, you will see. You, you've talked uh, several times with me about this. Uh, for five years, you've been celibate, and not for religious reasons, uh, which I find fascinating to understand your rationale behind that. Can you share that a little bit with us? I went through stages as far as um, sexual interaction has went with uh, the powerful dynamic and leader of our humanity, the female. <laughs> the woman. There we go. There we go. And now you know why he's on the show, ladies. And there we go. I love you right I'm now. I'm serious. So, so, you know, went through my teenage years, my, 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 my trying to be a player years, my, then I transitioned into the monogamous world. And what I found out in 2016, over those years, is as I've been increasing value within myself and learning that loneliness is a choice. It's something that humans made up. It's something that you really can't be once you become connected spiritually with all that is. With the mixture of that and honestly having my heart broken in 2012 and then having a friendship that turned into a relationship in 2014 14, 2015, 2016, what that last relationship did, to be clear, is I had one of the best friendships that turned into a relationship that I had in my life. And what happened was that as I'm traveling, we had to have a conversation because when we started that relationship, she knew I was speaking and not in Virginia as much because I had a home in New York and I was traveling the world. But honestly, she said she could not continue the long distance relationship deal. Like she wanted, she thought she could, but talking to me on the phone for all hours of the night and not having me there was something that was emotionally draining. So in February of that year, 2016, when we, well, actually April 2016 is when we went our separate ways and the pain that I endured during that process was like a positive pain because it wasn't infidelity. It was a situation where we just kind of grew apart because I, I was not about to just stop my purpose for that relationship, which also meant that our priorities weren't actually in line, which no matter how you look at it, it was going to end up causing friction in the long run. But as I went through the, the, the reflection on that process, the first few months, it was just me preparing myself mentally and wondering how I got there. And because I work on my pillars so much, before I knew it, six months <laughs> turned into a year. You know what I mean? I'm writing books, I'm creating plays, I'm serving at a higher level. Yeah. And literally last year, February, I was like, wow, it's been four years. So this February of 2021, it'll be five years where I have not had sexual relations or even really been on dates with a female. So it's not something that I could have planned, similar to how when I, well, I did plan to have my last drink October 31st, 2009, but I didn't predict that I knew I was never going to drink again. I just said, I'm going to go day by day. And I guess in this world of growing myself, I'm just in a position where I'm so full within my pillars that I'm not against having another friendship form that may turn into a long-term relationship, but I'm in a position where I'm filling myself from the inside out instead of from the outside in. So mm. I'm not in a position where I think I'm, I might be, really that's the answer. So I couldn't have planned on this, but all I know is that I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I know that what I've done within my insides, if when I do bump into that magnetic attraction, she will get the best of me and I will know that she's adding to a cup that's already full versus me grasping for something to fill a void, you with me? And mm -hmm. I, I will honestly say that it's the best 
I'm at the best place I've ever been in my life because I could not have imagined that there would be a part of my journey where five years, and I'm in my best health. I'm in my, I mean, I'm in the best place I've ever been. I do sometimes get approached in ways that I think are kind of, you know, women, if they, if they flirt and they can flirt, you know what I mean? So sometimes I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have a conversation, but I know how to draw my boundaries. I know how to not put myself in any position that is going to skip any steps. And I'm just, you know, at a place where I'm just extremely happy and, and I'm helping I'm also hoping that people can see, wow, there's nothing wrong with this. Like you can release those endorphins in ways that don't include a release. Like you can be a healthy person without letting your animal control you. It's almost to a point where I didn't mention this for some years because I felt like it would damage me because of this man thing that we put out here. But in reality, a man, just because you, like, like, unfortunately, and I have to say this real quick, I believe that the title of father or mother has much more to do with just creating a baby. You with me? Right. We have Mother's mm -hmm. Day, Father's Day. You get around, oh, because I had a night at the club where I got drunk and, you know, oh, I'm now a father. <laughs> Yay! No! You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, that whole I, I give all people respect that went through this, but I'm just in a position where I want to do it the way that's organic and like a seed where it can be a long lasting situation where we both can fill each other's cups. We can grow no conflict, but conflict from a standpoint that we can both manage it, you know, but nothing where I end up with that ball and chain mentality where I'm not really happy from the inside out. I hope that answers the question. No, it, it did. And, and, you know, I, I wanted to bring that up uh, and I know it's a little bit, on the left field, but this is why I wanted to bring that up is because I think that when people are trying to find themselves, when they're trying to recreate themselves or reinvent themselves, I think they get stuck on a lot of stigma of what society wants from them. And I think what you're saying here, and I think it's such an important point and so powerful is that you have to find your way. Mm -hmm. And maybe your way is different than somebody else's way exactly. and that's okay yes. and don't be afraid to say it and speak your truth whatever it is yes. um i think that's the message that is so powerful here is that you know as you are going through this thing called life this journey called life we all are have our own different paths and we have different choices but we get so i think pressured into what society wants and especially with social media everybody's doing this so we need to do that and 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 you're saying no you don't have to follow the flock you can be yourself you can be who you are and find your truth and speak your truth and not be afraid of it Amen. Unapologetic, and, and be an example for that gentleman that realizes wow i don't really feel like going to the bar but mm -hmm. i'm gonna go because they you know yeah. everybody else is going no you don't have to go to the bar man <laughs> you can yeah. stay at the house and study you know or do something different and be okay man it's okay and still have those friends y'all are just meet right. them or outside somewhere else or you could go to the bar and not drink or not be pressured i actually had a scenario where me and a friend end up not being friends anymore because he invited me to meet him somewhere this was a few years ago and it was a him and a, two young ladies there and because of my lack of communication with the other lady because she wasn't there wasn't a connection there after it was done he was like man why you didn't you know that she she wanted you we actually got into an argument because i did not i was not just picking up the what is it like being that wingman to, I, I was not, that's not me. I'm not, that's not what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties, man. Like I don't, if I'm not interested, I can be a friend, but I'm not about to just do something to put my body on the line as a sacrificial lamb. When I don't, that's when you, when you have, <laughs> I've never heard of a double date as something more like going to a slaughterhouse. But I'm <laughs> feeling you on this, Kendra. I got it. There we go. That's hilarious. I've never heard of it that way. That's well, great. Just, just to kind of piggyback off that personal question number two, my friend, but don't worry, it's not as personal as the hot seat because you have spoken about this before. In fact, at one of our events mm -hmm. that you 
referred to yourself as a functioning alcoholic. And now, as you said a moment ago, you're going on 11 years of, of sobriety, number one, congratulations. Yes, but how, how did you know that you were an alcoholic and, and like what changes came about when you decided to let go of, of drinking? This is a really quick, simple answer. The way I knew I was a functional alcoholic is because in order for my nights <laughs> to, I sold every, at least two to three times a week. And it was always celebrations. And at every celebration, I had to have alcohol. There was not a time that celebration was involved where alcohol wasn't a part of my celebration therapy. And the reason why I ended up stopping is because in 09, February, I was 305 pounds, high trainer nutritionist. I lost all of this weight by following his protocol, but I still was doing well and still celebrating. And what I'm so glad the universe did is as I'm taking all this mass away from my body, but still drinking the same, my inebriations weren't as enjoyable as they were. I was getting, a, there, was a, there was a lot of throwing up involved and a lot of sickness. And I'm like, I'm like, what's happening? And it got to a point where I realized that the tolerance that I had was for a human that was not present anymore. And it got to a point where I realized, wow, I, I, it's, it's, it's rough, but I don't think I can do this because I don't enjoy it anymore. I wasn't a social, let's have a cup of wine type person. I was a, let's, you know, let me feel good type person. And it wasn't in, in, it wasn't in alignment with who I physically was. So what I learned as I went through the journey, the first trip I went on to Dominican Republic with three other single fellas in an all-inclusive resort, when I had the best time of my life and I was the only one that was sober the whole time, I realized, wow, I can do this. Like I, and then also seeing how they were acting the fool. I was like, wow, that's how I act when I get out of here. So as I went along this journey, I just realized, wow, number one, you know, sometimes I don't think hangovers and the things that we think are cool that come with alcohol, use or abuse i don't think that should be something that we if you're going through that as a person that's a signal that the universe is saying you might want to slow down and then secondly if you do get to a point where your genetics don't allow you to socially drink like so many people without doing it overboard if you see that you need it and you can't just have a cup i would help that person consider slowing down and seeing how you feel. And yeah, it's gonna feel awkward at first because there were a couple social events where I was the only one not drinking. But over the course of time, as I released that energy into working out, studying, learning about emotional intelligence, it's now a point in my life where I'm proud of it. I can be around people that, that are drinking and enjoy their company. And I'm not getting on no soapbox talking about anything. My journey, like you said, is my journey. And if someone wants to learn how to do it, I can help them. But if not, it's all good. I just definitely recommend all people that do drink to just ensure that drinking doesn't become a form of therapy. Because at the end of the day, alcohol in our body is not something that is supposed to be there. So it, you don't want to be in a position where your therapy includes something that's detrimental to your long-term ability to live on this gift of life, where I don't care what you're doing in the next life. <laughs> we want to try to take full advantage of this life. And that, that's just a, a, a vivid reality. So it feels good. And I'm honored to, to be able to experience this, uh, this level of life right now. I, th I think your, your journey speaks volumes about really beating to your own drum and not allowing the social pressures uh, overcome you and, and dictate what you do. And I think that's what I'm hearing loud and clear over and over again. Uh, and, and you speaking about it uh, just makes it really uh, very, I don't know, obtainable and, mm -hmm. you know, something that people need to consider. Um, so I, I so appreciate you being so honest and, and sharing such personal decisions that you've had to make along the way. 
Um, I'm going to pivot to a, a different type of a question. So, you know, and, and you and I talk a lot and we've uh, talked about this a little bit, but I want you to share with our listeners and, and audience about how you wrote a child, a children's book, because obviously what you have to say, adults are going, wow, that's pretty powerful. But how do you go from what your message is to writing a children's book and a children's book on superpowers? It's called, what is it? Lil Solar's Book of Superpowers? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just fascinated by the title and how you came about that. In 2017, the day after I finished writing Recreationism, which took a year of writing and compiling journal notes of my, my thoughts from the 2009 Kenja to the Kenja that was most recently evolved, I already had a huge relationship with children because I spoke to about 350 schools at that time. And I had on my long to-do list a children's book but in all actuality, I never read a children's book. So I decided in Barnes and Nobles in Brooklyn at the on Bor Borough Hall, Barnes and Nobles, for anyone that's in New York, I went over to the children's section after Googling the top 10 children's book of all time. And after the Harry Potter editions, <laughs> got down to Dr. Seuss and then Charlotte's Web. And I was like, wow, that's familiar. So I read Charlotte's Web. And after, I, I'm going to be completely honest, after reading it, I loved it. It was the 60th edition. But in my mind, I was like, I can do better than that. And the reason why is because <laughs> I felt there were certain subliminal messages in the book that put these labels on men and women. Like the, the, the Charlotte was dainty. Her brother had the gun. And so because of me realizing how these little impressions get put on us from children that turn us into adults that's not living in our truth. I, that was just the seed that was planted. But literally, after that seed being planted, did a meditation one night and woke up the next day with the idea of turning the solar system into a character. And wanting to have it be a global idea, I wanted the solar system to be, I wanted the book to be speaking from the solar system's mind so little solar and the theme of the book was the solar system is writing in its journal and it's so happy about all the things that are going on within its universe that include growth but the only place where growth is not constant is on the planet earth and it's because these humans that are so wise once they get over a certain age they start going against each other instead of in that happy mode the way they were when they were small. So what little Solar, his ex, it's, it's not his. I actually have a woman's voice on bookofsuperpowers.com because I believe creation came from Mother Earth. I believe women are the leaders. Men are what decided to switch the script and now got women not feeling the power that they deserve. But that's a whole nother story. Well, thank you. But, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, my friend. <laughs> that's a whole other I mean, podcast but, uh, that I appreciate so much. Right? It's real, but, but basically the, the, the expedition is to go to each continent and find a preteen or mini adult that's under teenage years that at least has six of the seven superpowers that help the solar system expand for billions of years. And so, for example, one of those stops is in Sydney, Australia, with a young lady named Constance that's nine years old, and she's missing her power of choice. She has the rest of the powers, but her grandfather died. And because she really wasn't around him as much, she felt guilty. And so in each continent, there's a conversation between little Solar and that child. He enters into their world through a dream. And it's, it's been received so positively. Over 15 schools have bought it for all of their kids. Wow. And what I'm hearing from parents is that it is so crucial I love how you have created something that all kids can relate to that's not in a religious tone mm -hmm. that allows them to hear these conversations and grow. And you're talking about really deep concepts, but in such a simple way that's letting them understand. So from self-care to the power of um, silence, it's just a really, I, 
I'm gonna be honest, after the meditation that I started in 2015 every night and putting myself more into an alpha and beta mode as far as my brain waves, my creativity level has just boosted through the roof. And I'm like, I that's three books finished, but I have eight books written total and like at least another 10 ideas. Like I'm in a position, but but what I'm doing now is putting more focus on marketing my company because you can create all day, but without getting it out there, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you have a bunch of beautiful projects with nobody taking advantage of them. So right. I'm, I'm, what COVID has helped me do is now put more focus on marketing. And I, it's some systems have been put in place to help. This is a, a primary example of one where I'm gonna help spread this joy and love to more people throughout the world. So. But yeah, Little Solar's Book of Superpowers. Awesome. Thank you for doing that. That's, that's amazing. Kids certainly need uh, that, uh, those messages, inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our foundation focuses on women. That's our, that's our uh, main focus. But then children, um, we feel like they are, they are the generations to come. They are what will change the world. So if we don't start when they're little, to give them the inspiration and the messaging that they can do these things and that they have superpower, you know, we're, we're not going to ever change the, 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 the story. We have to change the story. So mm -hmm. thank you for doing that. Yeah. So Kendra, with your book, Recreationism, the art of shape, um, shaping reality, which has, you know, had a lot of success. Well, my first question is, if I purchase the book and read it, do the changes happen through osmosis? Because I would like to have abs, too. So that's question number one. <laughs> then that's, that's, a, that's, a and, that's, that's a wrong that's answer, Kinja. Yeah, it, it wasn't even for me. It was for a friend of mine who's oh, not on okay, the show okay. right now, I'm telling you. Her friend just sent her that question to ask. That's right. Because besties protect each other, I'm telling you. That's right. Okay. So totally, totally kidding. My my first question is, where did that lifestyle come from? The it lifestyle started, book? It, it was it was in 09 when I literally, I already was loving what I did for a living, which is the fourth pillar, the purpose pillar. And they weren't pillars at the time, but now I can look back on it. And when I constructed it, I saw those were the four commonalities in this last 11 years. But once I started focusing on my health with understanding what I needed to do to help reduce the the um the 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 the, the extra mass that was on my body that was not in alignment with what my body was trying to do and then understanding where that came from why i was addicted to food why i was addicted to the alcohol with the mixture of learning all these new things when i went over my journals i saw all these nights these were the four commonalities that have been prevalent over these years like i went from a 300 pound guy in 09 that was only comp competing with people trying to get more more better at selling not really worrying about my health to four years later being 185 pounds accepting these two awards and not even realizing how it happened and then you know, getting the opportunity to talk to crowds and then making a choice to stop making 900 a year to sell books. Like, who does that? And I realized that I was on this whole nother journey that I would never have went on if these four things weren't being worked on simultaneously. I was, my emotional intelligence pillar is what had me step away on faith. You know, like knowing that as long as you do what you're supposed to do, you are going to win. Now, to piggyback on the first point we made, yes, mathematically, I knew that I could live comfortably for the rest of my life if nothing ever worked. But who people, it's easy for somebody to say you could do that. But no, it takes strength to go away from knowing you can make almost a million a year to knowing that you don't know what, no matter what you have, if you are able to detach 
from making to just creating, that takes emotional intelligence. And most people mm -hmm. could never even fathom that situation. I compare that to like Oprah when she started her, she stopped her show and went into the network and lost this money. And people are like, why would you stop your show? You know, it's easy for her to do because she has this money. No, when you are at a position and you step away because you know there's something else calling you, you don't know exactly what it is, but you feel it and you go for it, that takes emotional dedication and the fact that you're willing to bet on yourself. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's what led to the four pillars is I have been working on those things constantly. And this year has been one of the best years of my life because without me being able, all my speaking engagements canceled, forcing me in the house, I had to work on my pillars even more. So I've been able to learn so much more. And that's why I do have compassion for all the people that don't work on their pillars that are letting the media instill these things into their mind and having them go against each other. I, I just pray for them and I do my best to put good energy into the air because right now we're in a position where people are not following their internal narrative, their narrative is being dictated from people that might not have their best interest at heart. Yeah, so powerful. Uh, I asked this question of all of our guests because I, I am always fascinated to, to know the answer. Um, so here's your turn, Kinja. What do you hope your legacy will be? Mm. That every single thing that this gentleman has attempted to put into the earth, he took it upon himself to master it and be a student of it within himself first. That's just simple alignment. You know, when I went to China and that master was teaching us, he had 43 years of practice and he did everything in front of us. He made sure we ate before he ate. And I just remembered I never saw mastery and student combined at such a level. And it inspired me to want to serve at the highest level, but I also have to be the greatest example of what I'm trying to help people see so that I can be in pure alignment. There's never a scenario where I'm looking at y'all and then the computer go down and then I pull out a cigarette oh, or pull out a drink and do something that's not in alignment with my message. You know, I'm talking about me. So I just love to be, this is Kendra on and off camera. And at the end of the day, you know, every time we saw him, he was the person that I read about in this book. And he's, he's just kept raising the bar within himself. It might have been too much for me, but he was living in his truth. And I respect him for doing it. Wow. That's powerful. Kinja. Guess what? You're doing it, my friend. I'm you really you. are. You I'm are. Uh, you are absolutely living your truth and showing us that. You're walking the talk. And I... I, I, I think that's what attracts me to you uh, all the time because uh, when I hear you speak and every single time I'm mesmerized by your message, uh, it is so profound and so deep and so personal. And yet you, you avail yourself to share it. And uh, so that is legacy. Mm -hmm. I love asking this question because I think that so oftentimes people think the legacy is for the rich and famous, but we all create legacy in our own special way. And I think it's important that we think about it and that we are honing into that, uh, knowing what the end in mind is and, and working alongside with that. So I so appreciate you. Thank you so very much for being part of this program and uh, sharing your truth and your journey. Uh, I know we will have you back because you have so much more to share. Uh, I hope you'll say yes every single time. <laughs> so, um, but thank you so much. Thank you, yeah. thank you. This was wonderfully inspiring today, Kenja. I'm a little disappointed. Well, my friend is gonna be disappointed about the osmosis thing with the book, <laughs> but I'll let her down gently. So I, I know you have a special offer for our audience, so why don't you go ahead and share that and then let everyone know where we can find you. Oh, besides right. so, on our wonderful podcast. Well, first and first things foremost, K-D-I-X-O-N at KenjaDixon.com. The first 10 people 
that see this podcast and email me with the subject line, sassy, all right, you will get your choice of any one of my three books. This was the first one that goes over the handbook if you're in sales and want to have a nice little simple plan on how to communicate without pushing an agenda on someone, but being able to politely recommend the process. This book took 14 years of expertise and ended up with me doing something that never has been done in the world, which led to my retirement, Universal Talk Laws, 98 pages. Um, or you could pick the Recreationism, 365 page manual. Amazing not book, only, by the way. I, I read it, I read it back and front to, to cover and mm. it's amazing. So please get that one. <laughs> and, and this is uh, also has 21 of my most transformative client stories in there, redefinitions in the mind moments from their journeys. But this is a life manual, maybe too much for the person that's not ready to work on all pillars. But if you are, this is, um, this is what you would recommend. Or the children's manual, Little Solar's Book of Superpowers with uh, illustrations. It's unbelievable, a 150-page journey that Little Solar takes throughout the globe to meet these seven mini adults, one in each continent. If you want to go on an exploration for your child, this was it. And, and we're in talks to have this possibly turned into a cartoon or some things wow. as well. So some things are, things are looking really, really good. So first, 10 people to email me. Just put which book um, address and it'll be shipped out to you from one of my shippers. And I'll actually sign, send it with a little handwritten message to you. And that's my gift to you and your world. I'm on Kendra Dixon at Instagram, Kendra Dixon at Yahoo, I mean, YouTube. And at the end of the day, by just typing my name in Google or the name of any one of these books, it'll direct you to where you could get it if you have any desire to dive deeper. And on YouTube, really quickly, I'm in... Uh, 28th episode of the decade series where I travel the globe. I've been to Brazil, I've been to Europe, I've been to Aruba, I've been to Arizona, Utah, but I go all over the world where places have beautiful landscapes and I, I share about how the old me and the new me, a little two to three minute message of correlating nature to how recreationism aligns. So you can uh, subscribe on my YouTube page and that's something I'll be delivering every single week in eternity. It allows me to travel, go into these beautiful locations and serve at the highest level and meet people all over the world. So I'm, in a, I'm, a, I'm serving, I'm loving, and I'm just honored to be on this, this, this podcast with you all. And I pray that we can continue to serve at higher levels together. I'm here and I love y'all. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's an amazing offer. Can you go ahead and say your email address so they can get that? K-D-I-X-O-N, K-Dixon at KinjaDixon.com. K-I-N-J-A-D-I-X-O-N.com. K-Dixon at KinjaDixon.com. First ten notes. We'll Done put deal. that on the show notes as well. Oh, okay, so, perfect. Uh, they'll perfect. Have that, but thank you so much for that. All right, I know you can't join us on this, but we always end the program with putting on our lipstick attitude, the name of the show. So, okay. Uh, you'll just have to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some cocoa shea butter for my head. There we go. Okay, All right. Do that. Put whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, lady. Oh, this this is. We put on our lipstick attitude as our war paint. It symbolizes mm. strength, resiliency, and courage. Yes. And life throws us so many monkey wrenches that we need a reminder that we are resilient and that we will overcome. So yes. go ahead, ladies, put on your lipstick attitude no yes. matter what. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank for you. honoring us with your presence. Uh, always, you are just amazing. We love you to pieces and best of luck with everything that you're doing. Likewise. Thank you. Thank Honor you, Kenja.